The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Allison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show, and this is Mickey Ellison. I'm glad you guys have decided to join us, and I should say y'all because that's where I'm actually from. And I've got a, got a fellow Southerner on the, on the line with us today, but uh, if... If you've listened to the show any period of time, you know that I have a – every Wednesday I'm on a political talk show, um, which drives me absolutely bananas to have to go do it each each and every week. And the crazy part is I pay for that because it's advertising for the financial planning business that I do. But um, on that show, I constantly remind them that uh, politics is not the answer, and in, uh, in the way that we're trying to, to uh, battle things these days – and. The show also has taken the turn where you know the fight that we're doing with the road to complete fitness is one to lead people to Christ, but uh, one of the battles we're doing is is to fight against debt. And the beginning of the show, this is the first time we're actually going to bring someone in that can actually speak to the mess that is politics today because he's had firsthand experience in running for for U.S. Senate in the state of Texas. But in the show, in the opening, it says you know it says we live in a crazy place and in it actually talks about poverty, but we can actually throw other things in there. It says, but poverty is an all-time high in what is supposed to be the wealthiest nation on earth. And we keep calling on government to save us from with new poverty programs, but we call on government to save us from all kinds of stuff that uh, government never was intended to save us from, uh, save us from those things. In fact, most of the time, the problems that we run into were created by government. And over time, if, if the show lasts long enough and through what we're doing with the Road to Complete Fitness, we're going to teach a lot about debt. And I've got a couple articles that I actually may throw in here if we have time toward the end of the show. But uh, today's guest is uh, – I first heard uh, heard our first guest, our guest today on Sirius XM Patriot, the Mike Church show, which I've, I've often said is probably the most important, uh, at least from a political standpoint and, more, and maybe more from a spiritual standpoint anymore, show on of, of any radio show in America. And in that show, Mike has, has – Mike Church has, has educated me in ways that I never imagined because I was probably one of those guys that uh, just followed the uh, the Rush Limbaugh, the the Mark Levin. Don't get me going there. Um, that the Glenn Becks, all of that stuff, without putting a lot of thought into it. And um, you know, I, I've asked uh, 
our, our guest today, Dwayne Stovall, to come on to talk a little bit about some of the problems with politics, but also to give you firsthand experience. And and I actually love uh, – by the way, Dwayne, welcome to the show. And, oh, good to be here. <laughs> and, and I love the <coughs> – excuse me. Uh, Dwayne's actual bio on the show because the I, I have so many people send one to me. I don't know about you, Dwayne. When when people ask for me for a bio, I feel really weird sending one to them because I'm just a, a kid that grew up in a small town in South Carolina. That first of all, I'm a Christian, and that's what your bio says. Is that that's the first thing you say is you're you're just a Christian. That's and, and I think it's more important that you're also a husband of 23 for 23 years. I'm going on 20. Uh, father of three. Um, I'm a father of two. We're not going to make it to three. Um, business owner, school board member, and he happens to be a former candidate for U.S. Senate. And one of the amazing things, uh, Dwayne, that I find on here is that you were able to, to get 11% of the vote in, in the primary with only $70,000. And your experience actually caused you to create something called Keep Texas Free LLC in 2014. And I think – Hopefully it goes beyond just keep Texas free because I think there's other states that might follow and follow suit. But uh, welcome to the show, and uh, let's talk a little bit about about your your run for uh, run for Senate and tell tell us a few things that, that you learned while you were doing that. Well, that's a that's a really large, uh, broad spectrum of of experience in a very short period of time. Um, I, I get a kick out of that when you say when people ask for a bio, it kind of makes you feel funny about that. Yeah, I, how do you send them a, something that just says, you know, you're just another bum? I'm just a guy. <laughs> right. I'm just a guy, yeah. Because I, I, I am a little bit over the top on the uh, this this type of a sycophantic viewpoint people take of, of politicians. They're rock stars and, and, and really special people when in actuality they're employees. And and people lose track of that, that they are, this is supposed to be a representative government. These people are supposed to be working on our behalf. They are not elitists. They're not supposed to be anyway. And um, when I got into the race, I, I specifically uh, singled out John Cornyn's position at U.S. Senate in the state of Texas because John Cornyn, who I have watched very close uh, for the last decade, is probably one of the worst U.S. Senators in the history of Texas, in my lifetime at least. Um, there is one that goes back to around the time I was born who was a Democrat, who was a, a, quite a bit worse than he is. But the fact is, as a Republican, as a supposedly conservative individual, um, he's anything but. What I found out shortly after I got into the race was that it's it's very much what we all think it is. It's very much a clique. It's very much a brotherhood. When we talk about the establishment, um, you, you can take all the thoughts you have about the establishment and how they control politics in both parties, and you can expound that exponentially. You can you can blow that up 50 times what you think it is. That's what it is. Uh, they control every nuance of politics. How a nobody from completely outside the um uh, the training grounds, the the clique, the establishment hierarchy can draw 11% was kind of beyond me. We, you said I pulled 11% with just $70,000. Uh, I didn't know that was good. Uh, after the <laughs> primary was over, after the primary was over, I took more interviews and phone calls from people who would never talk to me prior to the primary. Who well, imagine all they wanted, what would 
Imagine what would have happened if they'd have talked to you before. Exactly. All they wanted to know was, how did that happen? What, what was it? What, why did I get 11%? Well, um, and I would tell them all, well, you know what? If you'd have called me three months ago, you might know something about this. But uh, it, Yeah, because I think Mike's show is the only national show that uh, – he's the reason I've, I've even heard of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and in in Texas, it's it's a little easier to come by, but not – it's not – I mean, Texas is uh, – we're over 26 million people in the state of Texas. If we were standing alone, we'd be the 45th largest country in the world. Uh, doing a statewide race in Texas, uh, that's kind of like running uh, a campaign over the whole East Coast. I mean, it's, it's not <laughs> – it's not – people look at it as the states as being just states. You know, well, running for a a U.S. Senate seat in Virginia – is like running for a congressional seat in Texas. I mean, in scale, we're so large, it's almost unfathomable what it takes to run a campaign across the state. And that yeah, and I, said, I, can't, I can't, I can't, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, that being said, the, the amount of volunteers that I had, the amount of support I had was just unbelievable. I, I was blessed beyond um, any any context of what I thought it would have been. I had over 1,100 volunteers. We had the largest campaign in the state, bar none. Uh, there was not another campaign in the state as large as ours. Uh, we just didn't have the money. And uh, yeah. I had people come out of the woodwork who were establishment, um, a handful. I'm not going to say it was large, but there's enough. And, and people who have money who feel like doing this can really upset the uh, the the apple cart for the we the citizens consent portion of our politics and uh, I had personal experience with people who were very well vested in the national Republican uh, uh, party and they were uh, when I mean vested I mean they were big players they donated lots of money to the RNC and uh, they did the same in the state of Texas, and they made it perfectly clear to me that if I so much as got any traction, they were going to spend their own money against me. And now, why is, would they do that? Is that is that uh, I know Mike talks a lot about on his show, and I and I I copy Mike a lot when I'm on the other show because I'm listening to him on the way over to do it, and I keep telling him, say, guys, it really boils down to. You've got two parties that pretend to hate each other while divvying out $4 trillion worth of money to their buddies. It's the money. You've, you've hit it right on the head. It's all about uh, enriching yourself. It has nothing to do – and people get all bent out of shape at me who are big team members. You know, there, There's mom, everyday mom and dads who sit in their, in their houses, and, and they, they're Republican, and they want to feel like they're part of the team, and we've all got this conservative viewpoint. Our, our – you know, our – principles and our morals and our principles, that's what we're fighting for. Well, yeah, maybe you are, but the people at the top of the hierarchy in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, but we're going to speak specifically to the Republicans, they're not fighting for your your principles. There's no virtue. There's no, uh, especially your Christian-based principles, That they're not mm-hmm. fighting for that. They use those against you. They use those to get you to give them money. They use those to give you, uh, get you to, to support their PACs and their and their uh, uh, their leadership funds and their PACs and their super PACs and their campaign funds. And, and you give your money and your resources thinking you're giving to someone who's going to represent your best interests, meaning your morals, for, uh, traditional values, and virtue, and they don't do anything of the sort. Uh, 99% of the people in Washington, D.C. are there enriching themselves uh, with no real... Uh, 
understanding of what the proper role of government is or what they're supposed to be doing to to represent those principles. They say the right things, they have this rhetoric, but when it comes down to it, they enrich themselves and they like it. So the people who are not in the Beltway, uh, the people who came at me basically threatening me and, and made my wife very nervous at the time, and she knows me, I'm, I'm nowhere near the guy you really want to put out in public and <laughs> And draw a line with because it's going to get really <laughs> ugly really fast. And uh, you know, for some for some reason, just looking at your pictures, I kind of figured that. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I'm not a pretty guy for sure. But the the thing is, uh, I mean they, it that they, way. <laughs> well, they, I do. They, they call they kind of called me out, and I I checked their bluff real hard. But but the thing is, you get to a point where you get an understanding that. Those people at the very high end of the political spectrum are so well vested in the creation of debt, the perpetuation of the Fed, uh, the expansion of the government, that they enrich themselves. So they get very, very good at saying the words and speaking the conservative lingo and, and really working everybody up into a lather that this is what they're fighting for, when in actuality... They're not about to take one step in the direction of limiting that government or reducing the expansive, uh, expense of it or to stop the devaluation of the currency. These people are at the upper end of the echelon. They, make, they enrich themselves at the expense of us, at the expense of the states, at the expense of the citizens, at the expense of our dollar. And um, it's, it's the most heinous, most... Uh, evil thing you could possibly think of. And it goes on without us really being um, in the know. I mean, it, 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 we, we are stolen from every single day. And a lot of times, I, I joke with people a lot, the establishment is so good at manipulating the base, who are not members of the establishment, by the way. The, the Republican Party is controlled by a small percentage. Those who think they're in the Republican Party, who give their $10 a month or their $20 a month, they're not members of the Republican Party. They're stooges. Well, you, know, you know, it actually it reminds me of my experience actually in the financial planning industry because I, I, well, you and I had a conversation the other day that talked about, about our debt, but also talk, I talked to you a little bit about my – maybe I don't know if I did or not about my, my upbringing. I grew up in, in, in small-town South Carolina where you know all I wanted to do was play professional baseball. And up until I was 21 years old and, and I made my last out – oh, by the way, I got struck out in my last at bat, at bat by first baseman Todd Helton. So that tells you why I didn't make it. <laughs> But, um, you know, as I got into the industry, when I when I first got in, you know, I was so green and so naive. I didn't really know what was, what was going on. But there were little things that, that I would hear people that have been long term in this industry. And I, I think I can draw a parallel with with what you saw in politics. You know, one, we would start talking about the estate tax. And I, I, I would hear people in our industry that w- would say, well, we um, – if we eliminate the estate tax, we right now we can plan around the estate tax, and if not, we can't plan around the other way. And I'm going, wait, 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 wait a second. You're you're making an assumption that we need to have an estate tax. What if we didn't even have one? Period. What if we didn't have the tax at all? And then I ask a question on on a local show here of someone that had been in the business for for so long. Uh, I think 30-some years, uh, he made the comment of a little bit of inflation is a good thing. And I finally just asked him, why? You know, I've got some of the I, – I, I can understand why you guys want to 
throw some of that stuff out there. But I don't see how that helps anybody on an individual standpoint. I can see, you know, it caused me to do a lot of self-reflection. And, and the more I got into the industry, I became a, a, a CFP in, in uh, what year was that, 2006? And I became a, re- a recovering CFP in 2014 when I told them to stick it with their, with their money that they want me to send every two years. Because what I, what I didn't understand was how is it that the people that work in our industry can see all these immoral laws, all these immoral new things coming about? And rather than pointing out the immorality of the law or the sanction or, 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 the, or the new tax or whatever it might be, you just want to figure out how to profit from, the, from those laws rather than eliminating the laws. Because I think the people in our industry, if they fought against it, could educate people in a way that, that is, is unbelievable. We are running up on a, on a break right now. We're going to come back with Dwayne Stovall. We're going to tie these things together, and he hit on a, on a topic that uh, I really want to hit on, and that is, that is debt. So when we get back from this break, Dwayne and I will be with you. See you then. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. On the morning of August 5, 1962, the world awoke to the shocking news that Marilyn Monroe, one of the biggest icons in Hollywood history, had been found dead. What really happened that night? Join Nina Bosky as she seeks to uncover both the life and tragic death of Marilyn Monroe and what keeps her so popular over 50 years later. Good Night Marilyn Radio, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show, and with us today is Dwayne Stovall, who is, I like the best way of describing Dwayne, is he's a Christian, he's a, he's a husband of 23 years, and the father of, of, of three kids. And um, But he also ran for Senate last year in 2000, uh, is it 2014 um, that you did that, or is it 2013, Dwayne? Uh, 14. Fourteen, yeah, my my my, and it also caused you to uh, to start thirteen something. and fourteen, <laughs> thirteen, and, and it caused you to uh, to create something called uh, Keep Texas. Is it Keep Texas Free? 
Um, yes, Keep Texas Free LLC. It's uh, an education initiative. It's not a nonprofit. Uh, it's what I jokingly refer to as my nonprofit for profit. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, so profit, I'm the, well, that's what I'm doing so far with the road to complete fitness. There is no right. doubt there is no profit going on right, right. now. Right. Well, it's, it's just costing it, Mickey money. But that's the okay. last. The last two months of my campaign, there was a couple of investigative journalists and a couple of uh, private investigators who were working on my behalf pro bono. They just were trying to help me out. And you would think, why would they need uh, private investigators? Well, I didn't know why I would need them, but these people were pretty well vested in politics. And what they brought to me was um, basically when we say it's all about money, uh, they brought me data showing me where money was actually going to with some of the uh with one in particular individual in our race uh in the US Senate race and it showed who was running their campaign what kind of packs were behind them the well, how the money trail worked once money was given to these packs and what i learned on a bigger broader uh, understanding was when when you see things like these super packs or these uh, leadership packs these super PACs, when they take on money, say a group like, and I'll, I'll name one, say a group like TeaParty.net. Okay. You would think TeaParty.net, as large as it is, the last of uh, uh, funding numbers I saw on TeaParty.net, they submitted, they raised $3.8 million. Okay. Out of that $3.8 million, TeaParty.net, who's supposed to be representing those most conservative uh, values, right? Tax enough already. TeaParty.net, they should be the ones. Well... Out of that $3.8 million, only $58,000 of it made it to federal candidates. And out of that $58,000, that was split between, uh, if best my recollection, that was split between Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn. Well, where did the rest of it go? Well, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> you, send, you send these PACs, generally, you send these PACs money, and they enrich themselves, those who manage these funds, and they do a little bit for marketing. Half of the money... At least half, sometimes more than half of the money that goes into these packs, especially national ones, uh, is spent back on recovering data, uh, mining for uh, donor data. So you, you're, all your mailers, your emails, your administrative duties that go into raising funds, that's where more than at least half to more than half of their money goes. The rest of the money is just dispersed among the, the principals, the people participating. Huh. Um, I don't know of a of a pack out there that disperses all of its money to candidates uh, in any way, shape, or form. I actually advocate with Keep Texas Free when I do these presentations that people not give money to any PACs ever. And I advocate that if you have a candidate that meets your criteria, that you have some kind of context of character on that you trust, uh, you give your money directly to them. Do not give it to interims, uh, intermediaries. Uh, uh- yeah, your money will not get where it's supposed to go, and somebody is taking their part and large parts of it. Sometimes none of your money will get where it's going. So, well, and I think that's one of the things I, I like about the way our our dollar a day program that we we talked about a little bit on the uh, on the phone the other day. And what I like so much about it is it actually goes directly to those people. And we're going to hit on that a little bit, I think, in the in the third segment. And and because one thing I've actually got written down on the. Uh, 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 actually plays when you get to hear the music at the beginning of the show that talks about the the long term success of our our country and and what it what it means and it's gonna you know it's gonna come through our our it's it's gonna come through our homes our churches our communities 
not in Washington or state capitals. It's going to come. It's going to come through our kids. And if we teach them perseverance, hard work, humility, honesty, honor, character, hope, and love, and what happens is love leads to action. But uh, you know, you talk about the politics and 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 the where the money is going on. Yeah, I, I had this conversation with, with Joseph, whose show I'm on here in here in town. And Joseph's a great guy. I love Joseph to death. But um, in that show. He was talking about – you correct me if I'm wrong, all right? Um, he was talking about the Obama deficit, the Obama deficit, the Obama deficit. Now, look, I am no fan of President Obama, but I just finally looked at him. I said, dude, how, how do you come up with the Obama deficit when the last time I checked, um, the purse strings are in Congress, and, and right now there's a Republican majority, so can't they just cut him off at any point in time that they want to? He can't spend a dime. According to the Constitution, can he? Well, no, he can't. And people, this comes down to the core problem with the United States of America as a union. We are all nationalized. We all look at things in a in a manner that uh, makes us. We're supposed to feel, and we're raised to feel, um, like the people in Connecticut are the neighbors of the people in New York, in uh, Texas, and the people in New York are the neighbors of the people in Missouri, and the people in Kansas are the neighbors of the people in California. We're all community members, which is a crock. Uh, they're individual states who are supposed to be managing their own affairs, and we end up getting into this situation where it's this team mentality again, which is totally, we're not members of the teams, but people people want to totally believe that they're part of a movement. They are Republican, that is Democrat. The Republicans are for conservative government, and the Democrats are for socialist, communist welfare. Yeah, the problem with that is, when you put truth, and you know how Biblically speaking, what what truth and light does, uh, uh-huh. it's painful. Mm-hmm. Truth is painful. It's truth is rarely something that is just completely warm and fuzzy. Usually, there's a hard edge to it, and uh, it it makes you it it takes you back. It makes you blinded a little bit. Well, if you tell people, look, my favorite president in the in, the, in my lifetime is was Ronald Reagan, and everybody goes, oh yeah, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, well, I loved Ronald Reagan to death. He made me feel good about getting mm-hmm. up in the morning. But the fact is, he blew up the debt by two-thirds. Right. The fact is, he signed off on gun legislation that's none of their business. So he's a he's a big reason why we have the mafia relationship with the federal government right now, how they dangle money back to the states and say, here, we'll give you this, but wait a minute, you can't feed your children fried chicken at lunch at school. Or yeah, I've got, a, I've, got a buddy, I've got a buddy of mine that I grew up with in South Carolina, moved out to California, and, and he's, a, he's a big nationalist. So you know, and it took a lot of waking up with, and really listening to Mike's show to where I went, crap, I'm a nationalist, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be a nationalist. <laughs> and, um, and, and I was talking to but, – but it was, it was how, we were, how we were raised and thinking of it as this big blob. But Craig, my buddy out in California one day, we were talking about – I don't remember. It, it was some – what I would consider uh, some crazy law that that they were trying to force on the rest of America. And I'm going, Craig, look, dude, we really don't care what you do in California. Just don't make us do it here. And and you should actually like that because, frankly, the the laws that the people in, in the in, that we might agree to or, or, or would want in the state of South Carolina or Kansas, you probably don't want California. And frankly, if you just broke California into probably six different states, you'd find the same thing there. But, uh, um, you know, well, it, that's, it is... that's too much federalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody likes that nationalist viewpoint, and we're all raised that way. When somebody starts mm-hmm. arguing about Obama's deficit, um, like you were saying a while ago, 
they're just completely um, – they're, they're making a conscious decision not to deal with the truth that is George W. Bush was probably one of the worst fiscal presidents in our history, that the idea – you cannot you cannot describe the difference between George Bush's claim that he was a social conser- a compassionate conservative and a socialist. There is no difference. Mm-hmm. So it's it's well, hard to get people out of that team nationalist mentality. Um, I I got out of it. You talk about Mike Church. I've known Mike for a number of years, and and uh, he and I have been on kind of the same trajectory uh, as far as development. He's a year older than I am, and and I've been listening to him for about 10 years. I've been from with him for about half that. And it's interesting. It's a very tough, it's a very tough um, issue to deal with personally. It's hard to get mm-hmm. people to understand that if people in Connecticut uh, want to write laws with their representatives in their state capital that so much as recognize Adam marrying Steve, uh, what business is it of the people in Texas? Well, none. Right. But the thing is, you have to give them that respect because you need to demand that when you want to pass a state amendment, properly executed amendment in the state of Texas that says, you know what, in Texas we want to we want to recognize the traditional moral principle of marriage being an institution between one man and one woman, and we want to put that in writing. That's our traditional moral values and principles. You have to demand that the people of Connecticut not have any way to oppress you or imply their uh, reasoning on you. So, Well, the nationalist mentality is what causes people to go, well, we need to take this to the Supreme Court. No, the Supreme Court doesn't even need to hear this. I no, mean, absolutely and, not. And we've turned the Supreme Court into uh, the, the House of Lords, I guess, that those guys have supreme authority over all of us. And, I, and I, describe, us I describe the government this way. We have a, a single, all-powerful ruler uh, that we call the President of the United States. That's our single, all-powerful ruler. We have a a 535-member parliament that is completely useless with no power whatsoever. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh because it's true. They're completely useless. they're, They're meaningless to the process. And those two factions of our monarch are protected by nine unelected, well-connected Harvard and Yale lawyers that make up an army. Well, I think what is interesting to me was, was listening to, to Mike. It forced me, um, you know, some the, the nationalists will, will lead us toward those Federalist papers while um, Mike had me start listening to some of the anti-Federalists. I'm going, you mean uh, um, Patrick Henry wouldn't even sign the, the Constitution? And, and frankly, while I think the Constitution is a great document, there were some things that went on to get that sucker passed or, or get it ratified that aren't exactly cool ways of doing it. Then. Oh, it was it was uh, very much under the table, underhanded. There was a lot of that uh, really dishonest approach to the to the Constitution in Philadelphia. That's why it's so interesting that the men that showed up in Philadelphia and said, "Hey, wait a minute, we weren't sent here to do this. We're not going to be a part of this," and left. Now looking back, boy, don't you wish they would have stayed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The people like Patrick and, Henry who wouldn't sign off on it wouldn't hang around for it, but they went to Virginia and railed against it. I wish they'd have stayed in Philadelphia and fought the fight. 
Yeah, me too. We can't, but I guess that's what they left us to do now is a fight to fight, which is going to be extremely more, more difficult because of, because of the money situation and, and how all of it is directed to having their hands on that four trillion dollars worth worth of booty to to pass out to to their to their buddies. And yeah, I'm, um, I'm a little different in that. I, I don't really see there being a battle or a fight. Uh, this this isn't really <laughs> or the pretend battle. How's that? Well, there's no, there's what we're doing right now is out of our hands. Uh, we're doing a, a historical cycle that's going to happen. We're devaluing our dollar in a way that's been done many times before. We're devaluing everything about our economics. We're creating debt. We've got entitlement programs, and they're they're expansive. When you have 57 percent of your population that takes a form of funding of some kind from the government, um, people do not vote against their themselves. They will not vote against what hits their table. And so until it collapses, and it will, and people all, you know, vanity is the worst possible characteristic of a society right before it fails. And we're probably the most vain society in the history of mankind. We're so much smarter than everybody before us. Oh, yes, we are. And, but, you know, it, it did, I had a guest on the show, and I talked about this um, when we were at the break, that, that you know, it's just this, it's a mentality that – you're right. I don't, I don't know how to, it gets fixed without collapsing, too, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the, in the third and final segment of the show. But there, there, um, there was a guest I had on the, on the show that was um, – she's a motivational type speaker, blah, 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 and with uh, with – the road to complete fitness, similar to, to your keep keep Texas free LLC, um, I've chosen not to to make it uh, a not for profit. Although I'm doing a very good job making it not for profit, it's not <laughs> set up that way. I and um, in in the, the conversation on the show, and I wasn't quick enough, or I couldn't think of a nice way of putting this, and I didn't want to be rude to a guest on the show. She talked about some of the programs that, you know, dealing with physical fitness and dealing with, with financial fitness and, and, and those types of things that, you know, there are companies out there that offer programs because they receive grants. And I just want to go, whoa, 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 stop, Renee. What are you talking about? I don't want to – why do the – this was in, would have been in Tennessee. Why, why do the people the, – the Tennessee folks vote to give me their tax dollars so I could go in there and teach people about how to get out of debt when really – I don't really need a whole heck of a lot of information to teach people how to get out of debt. I need you to take a sheet of paper and two sheets of paper and one write down what you spend and one write down how much you make. And if the one that you spend is bigger than the one you make, then you better make some adjustments. <laughs> well, you know, the biggest uh, facilitator of uh, of enrichment on getting out of debt at other people's expense is the Congress because uh, they get a big fat grant from the Fed to keep continuing. They create debt to pay debt. All right, and we're going to talk about that. That's a great place to stop right now. We're going to a break. We'll see you guys on the other side of it with my, with, with Mr. Stovall and myself, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Stovall and Mickey Ellison. We'll be back in a minute. A nice glass of wine is very refreshing after the end of a long day. But have you ever considered the story behind the wine? Tune in to Bacchus and Beery Wine Radio. 
with your hosts, Roger and Donna Beery. You'll meet some of the people behind the world's wineries, travel the wine country, and learn more about that glass that you're enjoying. Roger and Donna will also give would-be vintners a behind-the-scenes look at starting a winery. Bacchus and Beery Wine Radio airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in Tuesdays and join the credit master and consumer advocate, Mr. D, a.k.a. Bruce J. Danielson, and learn the whole truth about credit risk scoring, collectors, both kinds, credit bureaus, credit cards, tax liens, mortgages, and much more. Find out how to use accountability combat to protect yourself from becoming a victim and to fight back against corporate abusers, such as banksters who have taken unfair advantage of most of us. The Consumer Fightback Show educates consumers on how to find relief within today's onerous credit system. See you Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness. Georgine Summers knows. As host of On the Edge, Georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams. Stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be. On the Edge with Georgine Summers airs live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. This is Mickey Ellison along with uh, Dwayne Stovall from Keep Texas Free. Uh, father of three, husband for 23 years, and uh, uh, a businessman, and, and just your normal old American that decided that he would throw his hat in the, in the ring and run for Senate last year and, and received an education that I think that was more than he was expecting. Um, Dwayne, before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about about the debt, and you know from our conversations that, that, that we had, the our conversation we had last week, that one of our, our fights with with um, the road to complete fitness is um, is the fight against debt. And, and frankly, as far as the country is concerned, I don't think we can win that fight. But I think from an in, individual standpoint, if we can, uh, you know, I don't know if we're we're doing the right thing with the dollar a day, but I think if we could actually get this implemented in, in local communities where they're they're doing it amongst themselves. One, we can start to teach the truth about debt. I actually read a read a piece today, and I think the 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 student loan debt that we have out there is is possibly one of the most immoral things that has ever been done to uh, to kids in the world. Um, I, and actually, debt itself is one of the most immoral things. But the the whole idea of this article was about the the. For-profit universities, that would be like your Phoenix University, uh, DeVry, some of those other places like that, which part of me goes, I don't really have a problem with for-profit universities. But they were talking about these universities have a higher percentage of of kids who are taking out federal student loans. I think it was was, – heck, let me – I'll click on it and see if I get it to pull up here real quick. Um, But it was was saying uh, 96% of the – Graduates took out student loans from from University of Phoenix compared to 72 or 62 percent at public four-year uh, and private not-for-profit four-year institutions. I went to Vanderbilt University, bro. That cost like 50 grand to go there. Somebody's making a profit. I don't know who that is, but uh, um, <laughs> it wasn't for me because they, they they let me play for or go to. I actually uh, post on my Facebook page. I I majored in baseball. But right. uh, and apparently I wasn't very good at that one because I didn't get to play beyond that, and I got struck out my last at bat, as I said in the first segment, by first baseman Todd Helton. But against uh, Tennessee. But the, on a more serious note, the problem with with student loan debt is the fact that it's it's made available by the federal government to start with, and you wouldn't have this issue of of the University of Phoenix having 96% of their graduates take some kind of student loans if they couldn't take federal student loans in the first place. And and really, I think it boils down to looking at the real – I think it's the best lesson on how unlimited dollars that are given away for free or what appears to be free drives the cost up because the, 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 the cost of cost – it doesn't make any sense that it costs $50,000 a year to get an education in Vanderbilt. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, well, there's, there's no um, there's no intrinsic connection between how much the government will put the taxpayers on the hook for and how much they will um, subsidize as far as guaranteeing uh, government-backed loans to students and the cost of education. So 
there's no there's no connection between the two. So schools can, and I hate to use the word progressively, it's been destroyed, destroyed but progressively increase their rate of tuitions at will, and they have for 20 years. And it, they can rate, raise it at any rate they want, and the government doesn't ask. They just write the loans. So the, there's only one person caught in that formula, and that's the student. So the students feel like they need to go to college, which is another fallacy in itself. But people, the kids feel like they need to go to college because we push them that direction from the time they're old enough to talk. And when they get there, they feel like they're forced into having to take the loan. But you know what? Everybody takes the loans because it's there. You know, hey, it's free money. Or, or I'm going to have a very long time to pay it back, and so what? And well, and you're 18 or 19 making that decision, too. Yeah, and they catch them at the worst time of their lives to try and make that decision. I, I, I have a totally different viewpoint of that. It's, it's, I don't believe in government subsidy of any kind whatsoever, anywhere, ever. And... And if you were to take education in and of itself and say, we're not going to subsidize any more, uh, there will be no more government back loans of, of education. And people go, oh, well, people quit going to school. I go, yeah, let them. Let them for one semester. And watch how fast these major universities, those presidents and those deans, step outside on their front porch and go, you know, there's nobody coming up the steps. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to do something about that. So we're going to lower the rates. And they're going to find that market value where Kids can and their parents can go actually go to a bank and get a legitimate loan, or they can get a job and they can pay for it, or they're going to stop paying these crazy uh, rates of employment uh, or pay rates to these professors who are working three days a week, who in the normal job setting would never earn that kind of money, but because they're tied to the government, can pay anything they want to these academics. Well. Do I think there's a problem with people making money? Absolutely not. I think there is an evil, and the worst kind of evil, when you steal from those who can't afford to have a, a retirement plan in order to pay those who are supposed to be educating our children and, and young adults. So, yeah, it, there's no moral equivalency to the education program whatsoever. You steal from one to give to, a, to another under the pretense of doing somebody a favor. That's all evil. Well, check check this out. This is I, I being in the financial planning industry, I get emails all the time. And this was from from a economist who I often say are the only people who can be more be wrong more than meteorologists and keep their jobs. But uh, this guy was talking about the student loans that student says don't fret student debt, and he says. Uh, I'm going to read this. However, the effects of student loans on, on long-term – I messed that up. i got to go to the beginning. Uh, for the fa- past six years, investors have faced one fear a- after another. One of these fears has been the more than $1 trillion in student loan debt, and this is up 160 per- 160% since 2006, while the share of student loans with payments 90 days late or longer has risen 6.4% to 11.3%. And they talk about how they're not they're – not, um, upset with that and it goes on to make the point that really that money is you know because people have been making the argument that that that's purchasing power that those students don't have but really the this guy was making the point well that purchasing power is just going to someone else right and he's actually right on that except they're forgetting it's just like this blob of america this blob of an economy where everything you know the the thing that we had to save in 2008 was this blob of of an economy while they're forgetting there's actual individuals that, that, that are back there. These kids are the ones that, that are suffering while someone else 
typically the bankers are the ones that are that are doing real well. And I've tried to explain to people and over, over and over, and they they'll say, well, why are why are the why does the cost of a home keep rising? Because you keep borrowing money to buy it. Right. That's <laughs> the that is the reason because every time you go borrow two hundred thousand dollars, you could buy a pretty nice house in Wichita, Kansas, for two hundred thousand dollars. But when you're paying two hundred thousand dollars for a house and you go borrow all that money, that's two hundred thousand dollars that just got moved into the economy that didn't even exist before. Well, that's true, but that you know, it all falls back to the fact that they inject eighty billion plus a month into our quantitative easing infinity, and the fact that they're flooding our, you know, dollars are a market, and they're flooding that market with dollars, and those dollars are being collected by not those people at the bottom, but those people at the top, mm-hmm. and they're devalued. I use a very simple formula with uh, kids. Uh, I talk to a lot of kids, and when I mean kids, I mean uh, younger than 15. And they'll say, you know, devaluation of the dollar, destroying the currency, what are you talking about? And I go, well, look, if you put five people, or five of you around a table, and I give each one of you one M&M, except for one. You don't get one. And I say, pretend everybody's really hungry, and the one that doesn't have one wants one of your M&Ms. Who's going to give it to him? And everybody says, well, not me, not me, you know. And, well, you have a high value of that M&M. What if I walk up here and I dump 10,000 M&Ms on each one of you, except for you? Now, he's hungry. Anybody want to give him an M&M? Well, certainly, because there's mm-hmm. no value in your M&M, because you have too many of them. So when you flood the market with dollars, even globally, you devalue the value of that dollar. And that's a very simple, oversimplified explanation because there's a lot of other factors involved in this but to teach kids when you're printing dollars printing currency that has no foundation and basis for worth you're just you're you're ruining it even more every single month so i I run into that all the time and you're a planner Uh, i see the same people that you get to visit with on a professional level i have people who come to my presentations who cannot, for the life of them, figure out why they retired eight years ago thinking they had enough money to last their lifetimes, who are now having to go back to work. Well, and, you know, a lot of that's got to do with going, going back into uh, government government helping us out again with, with uh, giving us tax breaks. Rather than eliminating 70,000 pages worth of tax code, they create things called 401ks, <laughs> IRAs, and all that other stuff. So Anytime that, they're going to do something to I, help will, us, you it know it's going to hurt us. Uh, it will force the average individual who would never in never in a, a, a farmer in western Kansas would never in a million years have bought a stock or bought they might have bought an individual stock from time to time but they wouldn't have bought mutual funds or put IRAs in there and I, and I, I I find myself in an industry where where people will come in and visit me and I think David Simpson and I share this 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 uh, belief together that you won't I, you you want me to put my money into what? And I got to leave it there for 40 years. I'm going to save 15, 20 percent taxes as a young adult, so I can pay some unknown tax rate 40 years from now on a bigger amount of money. That just doesn't make any sense. And I asked my brother, who was a who was a golf pro, and uh, he's the one that really got me thinking about this one time, Dwayne. I said I said Todd, uh, and he's independent. I don't know how you wind up being able to teach golf independently and not work for anybody else but he's managed to figure out how to do that so uh, <laughs> uh good, good for him. him but he he asked i asked him one time i said todd you ever gonna save any money for retirement i was probably a couple years in this industry 
And um, he, I, he says, what do you mean? I said, are you going to put any money into it? You, you know, you could open a simple IRA or you could open a SEP IRA and, and put back a pretty good chunk of money and not pay taxes on it today. And he looks at me straight in the face and says, Mickey, why the heck do I want to do that? I said, what? Why wouldn't you, Todd? Why wouldn't you want to save taxes? He says, well, let me ask you a question. Why do I want to put my money into something I can't touch till I'm 59 and a half when I could take that same money today and just reinvest it right back into my business and grow it today? Right. I said, you got you got a good point. I don't know the answer to that question, so you just keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it's those those little things um, that that we started to talk about um, that that just kind of opened – my eyes began to open, and really they didn't really really start opening until 2009 after the financial markets had had crashed because I, I i was kind of just going through the motions making quite a bit of money and and having people do things that looked really good until all of a sudden they didn't well, and you were talking so much about debt debt is the reason why i ran against john Cornyn. Debt is a singular reason that between debt and um liberty issues he voted to increase debt. he voted for the bailouts he wanted to it's funny. He wanted the uh, the unbinded, open-ended spending cap on the president while Bush was in, but he he rallied against it when the Democrats wanted it for Obama. But the guy votes to increase the debt at every opportunity. While at the same time, he votes to to let agents go into your home on a self-written warrant and take your personal property without your consent, or to let the TSA agents uh, molest you before you get on a plane between Kansas and Texas. So debt. People just don't get it. If you if you understand your biblical pretense, debt is slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you owe someone, you literally owe them. You are in in uh, bound to them. So it, you know, I, I see it very clear that direction. And I've been on all sides of the fence. I was in business where ten years ago I was servicing two and a half million dollars in debt and didn't give it a second thought. And then two thousand and eight uh, came along. And holy cow! Uh, yeah, that that'll make you check yourself real fast. Yeah, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We're we're coming up. We have got about two minutes left in the show, and and we talked a little bit the other day about the about the dollar a day on and how how it's going to work out going forward. I, I trust that guys going to actually lead us in this. And um, one thing I'm hoping is that that, that what we've, we've we've got 19 people that have come together right now to help. An individual that we're working with, right? That I'm working with personally to get out of debt. Um, I just—it's based on Philippians two, um, three through four, doing nothing out of selfish ambition and, and putting the interests of others above self, voluntarily, not forced by government. And I just think we could do wonders to change the—I don't want to say the world—the world around us. If we could get communities to follow something like this to help each other out of debt so that at some point in time we've got an entire community, an entire you, community. I, I think you're nailing it with that word. If, if you can get a community of people who know each other, um, who have context of who each other are, to, to get involved and do it on um, a relatively small scale, mm-hmm. you never know where it will go from there. But, yeah, because uh, I don't. I I, I run the risk of becoming one of the tyrants myself if I got to be the one that picks out who we're going to be helping each and every month. But the people in the communities know each other. Hey, we got about thirty seconds left. Anything you want to throw out there before we go, Dwayne? No, I, I appreciate the chance to come on with you. Now, I, I wish you the best with what you got going on. And I'm, if you ever get down to Texas, be sure and come to a Keep Texas Free uh, presentation. Our home website is getoffmystate.com. 
uh, it's uh, all about incorporation and the difference between federalism and nationalism. And uh, if you want to go follow a calendar, if your listeners are in Texas and they want to find out where we're at, it's uh, getoffmystate.com, check the calendar, and come see us. All righty, and I will post that at mickeyellison.com. I'll post a link to your website as well, and I'll throw it up on the show Facebook page. Hey, Dwayne, thanks so much for coming on the show, and thanks for your time, and I look forward to talking to you in the, in the future. Thank you very much, Mickey. All right, see you guys next week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here, too. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 